we're so scared to look under the bed or into the closet. You know, if you're the little kid scared of the dark situation, because you literally believe if you look under that the monster is going to get you, it's going to suck you in, take you in and you'll never be heard of again or whatever, you know, and you, you have to, I guess, also decide that the fear is not going to get you the way you are worried. It's going to get you. And this is the hardest part. I think to me, I think that's the hardest part because I think, well, why do I even get scared anymore? I understand fear. I know fear. I, I know when I look at it, it goes away, but I guess when I get scared, like anybody else, I truly believe that this time the monster is going to get me this mm -hmm. time. I won't be so lucky. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So you're into a podcast here. Another one with Brandon and Evan, Way of the Artist. And on this episode, we're talking about going into the uncomfortable. And you know, I think uh, what spurred this conversation on, Evan, was the kind of behind the scenes part of artistry and life and doing what you love and going for your passion. And it's that kind of the part you don't really think about so much, the part that isn't really your focus or your passion when you're going to do something, but there always is something that's uncomfortable in everything, even if you love it, even if you're passionate about it. And it's necessary to go into it. It's, it's almost inevitable that you will be confronted with it and it's inevitable that you'll have to face it at some point. So what I'll add to this before I pass it on to you is like, this can sometimes be as simple as, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to put food on the table? I'm going to keep a roof over my head, you know, like, and still do my art. Right. And, and just keep this ship sailing and not sink. And like, you know, there's that. And then there's um, the fear, like, what if this doesn't work out? Maybe this is never going to, you know, maybe I'm being foolish, you know, that that's uncomfortable, but you got to look at it. You got to face it. And then the other part of it, which I think would be valuable to get into is, is this going to be any good? Is this any good? Like maybe you're writing a script, painting a painting, making a song, and you just don't know, right? You have these doubts, these fears, and, and we need to, we need to build the skills and the wherewithal to go into that uncomfortable world, face it, look at it, deal with it, and maybe figure out how to manage it, how to outright confront it and get over it and defeat it. And how to just deal with it if it's going to be something that's going to kind of plague us throughout our journey as artists or just people living a life that we truly want to live. So um, I'm sure that you'll have a lot of input, but that is kind of how I wanted to set this one up. So I pass it to you. What do you mm. got? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think for myself as well, uh, I'm interested in exploring sort of the uncomfortable and, and more of like, a, you know, in really intentionally bringing ourselves there into what's uncomfortable, you know, because those places that challenge, that challenge us are, uh, where there's a lot of creativity and growth are, are available to us there as well. So, but yeah, no, most certainly I think to, uh, w how you set things up, I think that's a good place to, 
to start from. And what became apparent to me just as you were you were opening things up there are how many questions came up during that. That in many ways, that sort of uncomfortable feeling that we often have is when you look into it, there's all of these questions that are there. There are all of these unanswered questions, these questions that, uh, that can keep us up at night, um, that can drive us crazy, that can fill us with all sorts of anxiety. And as you were already, you know, alluding to like, how do we face that? You know, which is basically like, okay, so there's some sort of factor of like, well, okay, facing it is a big part of this whole thing. And, and I also want to bring in, uh, to this as well, you know, another thing we were talking about before we started recording, uh, a word that came up a lot was, was honesty. And I think that has a lot to do with this conversation as well. Um, you know, I think that sort of pursuit, that relentless pursuit of honesty, um, which like so many things always begins with ourselves. And, and in many ways, it's like, let's be honest about those questions that, that are plaguing us, as you put it. Um, those questions that are, are living inside of us, uh, what are those questions? And then really, really taking ourselves to task to be honest in, in trying to answer those in some kind of way. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know where this one's going to go, but, uh, but I am, I am certainly interested and, and attentive to, to find out. So where are you taking this one next, Brandon? (laughs) Oh man, right on my shoulders. Uh, well, okay. Well, let's, let's just start with, um, you know, the, the one about, let's start about the whole idea of like not being good enough. Am I good enough? Will my future work out? Um, you know, is this good enough? You know, that type of stuff. Right. Um, I think, you know, something that has, has been kind of bouncing around a lot of our conversations recently has been honesty. That's a big thing. And I'm sure we're going to get into a bigger talk about that, but you know, this, pursuit of truth is important. And, you know, when you're, when you're navigating that whole feeling of like, am I good enough? Is this good enough? There is the option that it isn't, you know, there is the whole part of it that is like, maybe what you've created is not good enough. And maybe right now, you are not good enough to do whatever it is that you want to do. And that can be kind of brutal, but that takes a certain amount of truth and honesty. And it's an uncomfortable um, feeling. It's an uncomfortable place to visit and, and explore. And then, you know, will I ever be good enough? Could I be good enough? If I'm not now, could I be? And, and maybe not, right? Like, but here's the thing. You... You have to figure out how to make peace with the possibility that it won't work, that it, it won't be what you want it to be. And that's really, really uncomfortable. And most of us just want to pretend we want to put 
like kind of like this idea that's like, I'll just, I won't think about that. I won't even consider that. I just, I'll just keep telling myself it's going to work. I'm good enough. I'm, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you do these things to kind of force it through. But, but the, the question of, am I good enough still lives in there, still lives in, in your, you know, under the surface. Right. And so it's, 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 it's at play all the time. And I think part of facing the fear is you literally have to go. So, okay. So what if I'm not good enough? And what if this isn't good enough? And what if this will never be good enough? And what if I will never be good enough? And those are really hard questions to explore because who are you, if not this thing that you want so badly and whatever. And I think that when you go into this and you find peace with that being an option, not to say that that's what's actually happening, because what's, what's important here is that you find peace. It's not, you, you'll never know if you're good enough or not good enough. You'll never know that. And even when you have made it quote unquote, it'll still be there. That thing that lives under your skin will always be there. So you make peace with it and you find acceptance with it and you detach from the outcome you're trying to force. And through that, what, what happens is you find a kind of an ease and a kind of relaxation, which I think actually allows for the possibility of you to be what it is you're scared you're not. And there's, um, I'm pretty sure this is like Zen Buddhism kind of, and it's like Hinduism and it's a lot of Eastern philosophies talk about this. It's like the more you try to grip it, the less of it you can have. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find a way to kind of almost let it go. And, and as you let it go, as you're willing to let it go, it, it, you can collect it. You can hold on to it. And that's really what you're kind of trying to do. It's not, um, it's not something you can control and force. Like you cannot will yourself into being special. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it, it's, you have to allow it to happen. And you don't get to decide if it happens. You have to allow the space for it to happen. And I, I think a lot of people don't like that because they want certainty. They want, you know, assured things, <laughs> you know, artistry and, and the life of our dreams and the things that are hard, they don't exist in certainty. They exist in this other world. And, you know, there's that saying, like, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And there's a reason why it isn't easy. And this is why you do it. You just go, this isn't easy, but I'm going to dare at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, because, like, n- there's n- there's nothing, nothing that lives in certainty. There's not a thing that, that like, life doesn't come with certainty in any any kind of way. And that's another sort of uncomfortable thing to to be with you know that nothing is ever certain but within all of those these a lot of these sort of big questions these big things to go into and explore there's usually some kind of form of liberation to be found there's some kind Mm -hmm. of freedom to be found because the thing is is that and you know i i won't speak to everybody on uh on on the planet earth but for myself and it seems to be something that i've run into and in others and throughout time has seems to continue to crop up but a lot of these types of 
questions, even though we might not be consciously asking them. For many of us, they're actually they are they're they're operating in the background, like they they're they're still there with you, they're still there living with you, whether you're choosing to acknowledge them or not. And in some respects, I suppose what we're saying is like, well, maybe it's time to acknowledge these questions. Am I good enough? What if I'm not good enough? You know, like those are just a couple of very uncomfortable questions. What if, what if things, what if things never, you know, especially within the arts, you know, it's like, what if I never make it right? What if I never become a huge success in this thing? What if I don't become a household name, those types of things. And, and they, they provoke a very high level of discomfort because we just don't want to think that. And to a large degree, I think that our culture has, has trained us to kind of avoid those types of things. Or it's like, no, you just got to think positively and you just got to think whatever. It's like, okay, sure. You know, like all of that stuff. But when those questions are still like gnawing at you in, in your day-to-day life in the background, you know, like it's, there's no use in, in trying to stay positive all the time, you know, like while you're being eaten from the inside, right? Like you just, you know, and I, I don't want to shit all over, you know, keeping positive mindsets and stuff. There's a, there's a use and a utility to that, but let's, again, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves about, about the truth that's actually going on. And maybe the truth is, is that you do genuinely feel very positive about something that you're doing. Like, you know, things are working out and going in a certain direction, all that stuff. Wonderful. But don't let that get in the way of an incredible opportunity to explore the things that are uncomfortable and and allowing that to give you perspective and to give you you know as as you're saying like uh, there's a there can be a freedom that when you come out to the come out of the other side of some of these questions when you realize that it's just like you know what? I don't give a shit what other people think about the work that I do you know genuinely um I don't you know like that there's a that sort of that subtle art of not giving a shit I don't remember who not giving a fuck who wrote that? not giving a fuck I thought it would you have only so many fucks to give oh okay <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's like it's it's um there's there's yeah, a tremendous amount of freedom to be found in in going into those uncomfortable spaces, but you have to enter into them fully. I think that that's that's part of the issue and and I think going into those uncomfortable places as well are usually places where we are also a little bit out of control. Um which is I think another reason why we oftentimes avoid them. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I agree with that, that I being out of control, not having certainty. That's, I mean, that's where this conversation lives because that's where, that's where fear lives. Fear lives in, in the unknown fear lives in the lack of certainty and the lack of control. And 
you know, um, things are very safe when you feel like you can control everything and you can be certain of the outcome. I mean, what's to fear if you know exactly how it's all going to play out. And so, you know, you make room for fear, you know, you, 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 you invite it to the table and you give it a seat and you feed it and you feed it just enough so that it's there, but not enough so that it takes over the dinner party. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you, you, you manage it. Right. But fear, look, fear is not going anywhere. It's, it's one of your emotions. It's one of your human things as far as like navigating this world goes. So you, you just learn how to deal with it. And, you know, fear comes in all sorts of different ways, right? It comes in, sometimes it comes in anxiety and worry. It doesn't come in like this, like, uh, you know, horror movie esque kind of like freaked out of your mind fear, right? It's the subtle fear. It's this, this like little thing. And you, you described it as gnawing at you kind of thing. Um, you know, and I think like with fear, it's like, you, you don't fight it, you know, like look at it as a part of the, uh, it's a part of the experience It's a part of the whole thing, you know, and, um, it completes the picture, you know, it's that dark cloud in the, in, in the, in the background that kind of fills in the beauty of the forefront. Right. And sometimes that black crowd, you know, is the storm and you're in it. And then you can see the sunlight way in the background. And sometimes that's a different experience, but like, look, the point is, is that it has a place, right? Darkness has a place in the light because without darkness, there is no idea of what light is. Um, so, you know, that being said, uh, uncomfortable things are usually the emotions we try to avoid, right? Like the things like fear and, and anger and sadness and you know, this type of stuff, things that were somehow for some reason taught in this culture. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are bad things. You should take a pill. So you don't have any more of that. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> look, I mean, you, you don't get to pick and choose. Um, you, you have to develop the skills on how to navigate this stuff. Otherwise you're giving up your control and you're giving up your, uh, spectrum of what's available to you if you want certainty and you want predictability and you like, that's what's happening, right? You're, you're giving something up to, to basically say like, keep the spectrum of where I can live within very small. So I know where I'll be most of the time. If your spectrum is, is very wide and just expansively large, you know, you could be on the high end one day and then the lower end. And like, this almost sounds bipolar, but like, it's not like you just have to go, okay, like in this moment, I feel sad. In this moment, I feel scared. In this moment, I'm happy. And all of those are okay feelings to have. And so I think a lot of the time when you're say going into the uncomfortable is like, I'm going to go into a feeling that I don't normally like to experience. I don't normally like to feel. In fact, I mostly try to avoid and I'm going to let myself exist in there temporarily so that maybe I can look at it. Maybe I can find something in this place, you know? Um, and look, I mean, what makes you kind of special as an artist is the fact that you're willing to go there and most people aren't, I mean, isn't it like, I mean, you're willing to do something that most people aren't willing to do. And that's kind of what's special about it. And, and you're willing to hang out there just long enough to find something that not everyone will find. Um, and that doesn't have to be forever. That might just be temporarily. Um, you know, I'll say one other thing, Evan, like I've been through, man, I've been through so many highs and lows and, and emotional roller coaster of a life. But 
Um, you're never stuck anywhere. Even if you think you're stuck, even if you think you'll never get out of it, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. There's always mm -hmm. some option and you might not see it yet, but just got to have faith. You got to trust this will pass. And, and if you're, if you're stuck somewhere and you don't know how to get out, start building a way out. You know what I mean? Start yeah. figuring it out. You know what I mean? There is a way out. You're not trapped. Right. And, and so, you know, I think with that, with the uncomfortable, I think we get scared. We're going to get trapped there and we'll never mm. get out. And then once I visit it, I'm like, Oh my God. And then my life's over. And it's like, okay, hold a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know that. I I've, I, I describe anxiety as the feeling of falling into a hole that you'll never get out of. Um, you know, and it's like, you're not in the hole. I mean, in some ways you kind of are in a hole, you're in the hole of anxiety, but it's like, it's this thing of this, this thought that there is a something that is maybe coming down the line that, you know, that you are maybe in control of, maybe you're not, but there's something that is perhaps coming down the line and that's a hole that you're not going to be able to get yourself out of. And I mean, hey, like one of the greatest human stories that we tell, not just through, you know, our scripted stories, but, you know, through, you know, real, real life stories of people who have had, um, you know, basically like their worst nightmare come true. The thing that they, they feared the most happened to them. And, you know, maybe they, they lost everything. Maybe they, you know, their reputation was ruined and all of these things. And they come out the other side of it and they're like, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because there's again, something incredible that, that can happen if you allow it when, those things happen because now it's no longer, it no longer has a hold on you anymore. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I've been there and I survived and I'm totally fine. And so now there's, there, there's that thing is gone. You know, that, that gnawing thing is, is gone because it was, it was faced, it was addressed, it was, it was experienced and it wasn't the end of the story. You know, so there's, um, yeah, there's, uh, there was something else that I think I was going to say and comment to some of what you were, you were saying, you say so many things, Brandon, um, <laughs> yeah, going on a, um, I'll try and minimize, I'll try and cut it down a little <laughs> bit, focus, focus points, you know, but I mean, it's one it's, thing at a time, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's like, I, I always tell like, my first time students, whenever they come into my class, it's like one of the first things I always get into is like, you, you will be uncomfortable at times in this class. You will be uncomfortable. Um, that's okay. You know, I think that there's this, there's this thing where we're all trying to avoid being uncomfortable, um, all the time. And, there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. That's it. All right. Okay. It's all coming back to me here now. Um, I have this uh, chalkboard in my uh, sort of recording studio office here. 
um, that I write just little reminders on on it. And one of the things that I have written on it uh, are, um, am I afraid or is my image? Mm. And I think that has, there's something about this conversation that made me think of that. And, and there's this whole thing about being uncomfortable when we examine, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable or this certain, this situation is making me feel uncomfortable. Well, when we can take a look at like, well, what is it that's actually uncomfortable about the situation? And any single time that I've ever asked that question and examined that, it's always just my ideas about the situation. Like the, the, the situation itself is usually just kind of like, it's just the situation of what's going on. The uncomfortable feeling that I'm having, the, the, so much of the pain that I'm experiencing of whatever those situations are, are so often my own doing, you know, they're, they're my own thing. So a lot of this has to do with beliefs is, I guess what I'm realizing this whole thing, like this thing about discomfort and how we feel discomfort, why we feel discomfort has so much to do with our beliefs about the way that we're thinking about a situation. And, you know, our beliefs are so powerful because they're, they're, they have, they've gotten deeply embedded into our, again, our image of ourselves more likely than not, right? They're so deeply embedded in our image of ourself that they become, it, it's completely reactionary right? Like it's not really a response. It's a reaction to something. And it can come on so strong and so fiercely that we can't really take a second to step and to, you know, just take a step back and, and look at it. And just like, okay, well, what's, what's actually really uncomfortable about the situation? What's inherently uncomfortable about this situation? And normally there's nothing inherently uncomfortable about any situation, right? It's, which is something that I, I continually, you know, I, I battle with it as much as anybody, but I'm always so blown away at, at how true this is. Again, I'll just speak for myself, but, and hopefully other people can relate, but I'm always so blown away by how much is of what is uncomfortable for me is, is really just is those, are those beliefs that I have about what is going on? Because when I look at it, there's no real problems that are, are apparent to it. It's my judgments. It's my beliefs. Um, like for example, I often can get like really agitated and uncomfortable about looking at a certain, I don't know, a workload in front of me. Maybe it's cleaning the house. Maybe it's doing work on the computer, this or that. And it's like, okay, well, what's actually uncomfortable about this situation? Like there's, there's usually just the things that to be done, you know, that's really all life is. It's like the things that you are doing <laughs> and, and really the problem comes in to this, I have an idea that I would rather be doing something else. 
So instead I have to do this. And it's like, okay, so, but what is so uncomfortable about doing that thing? And it's like, well, there really isn't anything. I'm just, I, I'm just making it worse because I'm imagining myself doing something else. Right. And very often that can go into a spiral, which, you know, I think I've talked about many times in the show. It's like, okay, well maybe I go and do that other thing that I would rather be doing. But now I'm sitting there thinking about the thing that I, maybe I should be doing instead. So I'm not really enjoying the thing that, you know, so it's like it, that, that's the whole mind fuck of the image and the ego and all that stuff. But, um, to just say it one more time, as I've already said it a number of times in my little rant here, but like so much of the uncomfortable thing is, is, is really just our own relationship hmm. to whatever it is. It's not the thing, it's our relationship to it. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, I think that is one of those things that we keep coming back to a lot these days is the, the relationship we have with certain things. And, you know, well, I relationship think is everything as you yeah. know, it's one of our laws, right? Like relationship yeah. is everything. All of life is relationship. And uh, sorry to cut you off. I'll hand it back, but you know, I've, that's sort of an idea that I've always been aware of. And it's like, you know, you learn how more deeply true that whole thing is, but our good friend, Alan Watts, I remember reading one of his books not so long ago and a book that I was, I had reread and, and never picked this up, but it was, he was talking about how, you know, we think about there's me and then there's this thing and then there's this relationship that kind of comes out of it. It's sort of like this happenstance thing as opposed to it's like, no, 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 there's just the relationship. Like remove this whole sort of like me and that there's just the relationship. There's just a single thing that's going on here. And that relationship is more real than the, this sort of like this separate objects kind of thing. The relationship is more real. Hmm. Anyhow, Side tangent. I'm sorry. I kind of, if I derailed you, I'll hand it back. No, I off. mean, that's I, like, it, it's, it's making me realize that like, whenever you're struggling with something, maybe going to relationship is a good way to begin to deal with it and confront it. You know, like, um, for example, sometimes I have a relationship with uncomfortable where I run from it. And sure everybody can relate in their own way, but like there's certain things they sometimes come up and they're uncomfortable. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I just, I don't want to deal with this. And I just want to do anything but it. And I kind of like run away from it as much as I can until I kind of am forced to face it. Or I like run away from it for a while until I can kind of get the gull up to like deal with the thing and like confront it. And, and I would have saved myself a, a lot of stress and anxiety and worry and whatever else I was going through while I was running from it. If I just went and faced it head on and just dealt with it. And so something that came up for me over the last few weeks and that I realized is like, sometimes I have this relationship with uncomfortable where I think, Oh my God, what if this is way worse than I think, you know, what if this is going to just be really bad? What if this is going to make my situation worse? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like my, I'm almost spiraling into this idea that like, this could, this could be worse. It might be better if I just kind of avoid it or, or, or push it away because I don't want anything to get worse right now. 
I can't handle, I can't deal with right now. Maybe tomorrow I can, but not today, you know, blah, 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 all this rationalization. And um, I often find that like, whatever my fear is, is not usually actualized. It's almost never actualized. It's never as bad as I think it's going to be. Um, it's let alone worse than I think it's going to be. It's not always what I want it to be. Um, but I realized something over the last few weeks was like, you know, what I trade for in a moment or a few moments of uncomfortable is I trade it for, in this case, a week or two or three of stress, anxiety, um, worry, and, and a bunch of other things that I didn't want to experience either. And that were actually needless because if I would have just went and faced the thing right away and just dealt with it, I would have, I wouldn't have had to have that because I ultimately had to face the uncomfortable thing eventually. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's like, uh, I think with, with, with uncomfortable, I think the thing that I'm kind of walking away with is like, why don't I just have a more welcoming relationship with uncomfortable where it's like, look, okay, you're uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable thing. Something bad might happen. Something that I don't want might happen, but like, let's just have the conversation. Let's just do the thing. Let's just face the music. Let's just hear it out. Let's see what's up. Because if I can recognize that, um, by avoiding that relationship with that thing, by, by running from it, I'm actually, um, creating another problem in my life. That's unnecessary, you know? And I, and I think this is kind of like from the start of the conversation, I guess it comes back to that for me a little bit. It's like this whole thing, like I've struggled with this a lot in my life, you know, being good enough. Am I good enough? Am I lovable? You know, whatever, like, you know, those are my things, but like, I've gone through that. And the more you try to like avoid it or prove it wrong or do this stuff to like not deal with it, you end up just making it worse and you just, it just, it just stays there. Right. And so, you know, um, and really like, I remember I had this realization one day, I was like, what the fuck is good enough? <laughs> like what, like yeah. as a whole, as a person, good enough for who, good enough for what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I just said, you know what? Like I started asking the questions. I started facing it. I'm like, what is this not good enough thing that I carry around with me? This like looming cloud, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, are you good enough to do this? Yeah, I'm good enough to do that. Are you good enough to, okay. Well, there's a bunch of stuff you're good enough for. So what is the, what is it that you're really worried you're not good enough about? And then it, and then it starts to come down to things like, well, maybe you don't have the skill. Maybe you just need to learn the skills and the tools and the techniques, and then you will be good enough. And maybe you're not good enough simply because you're not practicing. You're not, you have no discipline in it and you're not doing the work that's necessary to be good enough in it. And it has nothing to do with you as a person you know, intrinsically, it's about you lack discipline and your discipline is your avoidance of the thing, which is uncomfortable to practice. It's uncomfortable to have discipline. It's uncomfortable to do something you're not good at. And it's uncomfortable for everyone to see that maybe you're not good at it when you do it. So now you have to, you know, face the humility, face the fact that, okay, like I got to get over this. I got to just try it, you know? So, um, you, you know, that's kind of what it's bringing up for me a little bit is this relationship. Um, when you make it so general, it's not a really good relationship. You don't have a very intimate relationship with it, but when you start to get real specific, it becomes more intimate. You start to understand, okay, like I have this general, not good enough feeling, 
but really it's just revolving around one little issue in my life that I keep avoiding. And it really isn't, I'm not good enough as a whole. It's just, I don't think I'm good enough at this, or I don't know if I am, and I really care about it. And I don't want to look bad doing it. And like that, that's what it might be for you. And meanwhile, it's been taking over your whole life, you know, and affecting yeah. other things in your life, right? You know, what's so interesting about what I'm, I'm getting from what you're saying that that's kind of dawning on me that I find really interesting is that, you know, and at the start of this conversation, I said that very often the things that make us really uncomfortable are all of these sort of questions that are, that are going on in the background. There's all of these, and they are, they're kind of like you were saying, like they're kind of these general and vague kind of questions and in some ways unanswerable, you know, like, like, oh, am I, am I good enough? And, and, you know, those things, and, and they're like these, it's like a monster in the closet, you know, it's like this monster in the closet that's just, that's just festering and living in there. And in many ways, the, the response is to ask questions of your question. <laughs> you know, you start asking good questions about the question and suddenly it's just like, there's no monster in the closet anymore. Because that's the way that fear kind of operates in a way, you know, like fear is this thing that only operates when it's not looked at, yeah. you know, that's, that's the only way that it lives. That's the only way that it thrives is don't look at me and I'm going to make it so goddamn scary in general so that you don't look at me. But once you start look, once you start looking, when you have a little bit of courage to do that, and you start asking some questions, like it's like, well, what, is, what does that even mean? Good enough? Who who is a person that I think is good enough? You know, or or just whatever it could be. You know, like it. I think that good questions come as a result of of just paying very close attention. I mean, sometimes there's there's people who help and provide you know some good questions that to get you going. But I always think you know it's like we are living dynamic things and we need to learn how to ask the questions of, of, of ourselves in the moment in the way that are the ways that are most relevant and discover the questions for ourselves too. It was an extraordinarily, uh, is a more valuable thing than somebody else giving you, um, those things, but to be able to start asking those questions, inquiring for yourself into those monsters in your closet and, they all start to come apart. They, it just like the whole facade just starts to, because that's the thing with fear is that most fear is completely illogical. Mm -hmm. Most fear is completely illogical. So once you start asking good questions and you get out of sort of your fight or flight, you know, response brain and you, and you get a hold of your calm, you know, your calm, rational space, suddenly it's just like, this is so fucking stupid. Mm. You know, like th there's like these, these questions that are freaking me out are just, they're, they're unknowable. They're unanswerable. They're, they, they would, will never go away on, on a certain level. And they, are just kind of usually occupying space that they don't need to, you know, they're taking up room in your closet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. They're taking up room in your closet. That's basically all that they're doing. They're just, they're just taking up that space unnecessarily. Um, so yeah, that, that, I don't know. That's kind of a fascinating thing that's emerged 
to me in this whole thing is like, oh yeah, it's, there's these questions that, that, that we live with that scare the shit out of us. And by asking questions of those things, by like putting them under cross-examination, you know, it's like you almost got to put them up on, you know, put, pull the monster out of the closet, put them up on the stand and mm-hmm. just be like, I've got some questions for you. Right. And it's like, and it's like, oh fuck, you know, the monsters immediately <laughs> knows that the game is up Yeah, at that point. Yeah. The jig is up. Hey everybody, this is Evan. And this episode is brought to you by my book. Yes. I recently released a book called the actor's awakening, connecting spirituality to craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. Yeah. You know, I had this, uh, I had this um, exercise that I did with writing that I found really helpful. And when I first started doing my daily writing exercise, I was experiencing this um, thing. I, I called it the beast because it was this like voice or this um, fear that kind of came up and it would be like, you're not going to write anything any good. You don't know what you're doing, blah, 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 like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember for the first um, for the first few weeks, I was just like, wow, what do I, like, well, I don't even know what to do with this thing, right? Like, but I'm just like, okay, what you're going to do is because I couldn't write anything. I couldn't get anything creative out. I was just like paralyzed, really. I was like, what you're going to do is you're going to write for, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever. You're just going to write out the beast. Everything that it's telling you, everything that's saying, all the irrational thoughts, whatever, just write Mm -hmm. it out. I don't know how I came up with this idea, but it was probably something along a conversation or some idea that was spurred on about, you know, face your fear type stuff which is so true. I mean, it's so timeless and true. And so I just started writing it out. And the more I wrote it out, the more ridiculous it seemed. <laughs> and then after a few weeks, I just got tired of writing it out. I was just like, this is, I'm just tired of this story. I'm tired of this bullshit. And then I just, creativity just went, pff, started pouring out of me. And I didn't even have to write the beast anymore. And then if I ever come to a moment where I get really stuck and I don't know what to do, I go back to that exercise and usually it's resolved in in an afternoon and um, it's just there. It's Mm -hmm. just gone. Um, You know, uh, and uh, so like, I think, I think a big part of it is, yeah, like it's, it's this stuff we don't look at. I also wrote a paper in university um, about horror films and uh, I think it was for a psych class or something like that. might even been a film class, but it was one of those and whatever, I wrote my paper and I I just decided to tackle horror movies. Um, And the first thing that I started to uncover when I was researching what actually is scary is like every resource I came across basically suggested fear is the unknown. And it is no longer scary once it is known. So the core tenant principle of horror movie is that you keep it unknown. And, and the moment you let the cat out of the bag, the moment we see what the monster is, the moment we understand it, we get it, we know how it works. We know all this stuff is no longer scary anymore. And I think that's a lot of what we're dealing with here 
is like, once you see it, once it's on stage in the light, it's just this measly little thing that you're like, why was I ever scared of that? But when it's hiding in the darkness and it's unknown and you don't know how it's going to get you and you don't know what it can do, your mind fills in all of its possibilities and such. And this is, I think, kind of the problem, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is the thing. It's like going into the uncomfortable. Another metaphor you might say is like looking under the bed, looking into the dark closet, you know, like let's look into it. And not only let's look into it, whatever's under there, let's pull it out. Like let's literally take it out and put it in the light and let's have it, let's have it, you know? And I think the, you know, like that's all good and well to say that, but I think we're so scared to look under the bed or into the closet. You know, if you're the little kid scared of the dark situation, because you literally believe if you look under that the monster is going to get you, it's going to suck you in, take you in and you'll never be heard of again or whatever, you know, and you, you have to, I guess, also decide that the fear is not going to get you the way you are worried it's going to get you. And this is the hardest part, I think. To me, I think that's the hardest part because I think, well, why do I even get scared anymore? I understand fear. I know fear. I, I know when I look at it, it goes away. But I guess when I get scared, like anybody else, I truly believe that this time the monster is going to get me. This mm -hmm. time I won't be so lucky. Um, and I think we all relate to that feeling to some degree. So I'm interested in maybe looking at what that's about, because <laughs> I think we can all intellectually get, yes, pull the monster out. I understand it. I know how it works. Not scary anymore. But the, the, the whole idea of even going to the dark place and, and attempting to pull it out as though you could, and it won't pull you in. That is the part where I think I probably still struggle. And I think most people probably struggle, right? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that it's just because I'll say like for myself, I think it's just because like bad habits kick in, mm. you know, it's just like bad oh, habits of distraction <laughs> just, just kick back in. And so then there's this whole sort of, um, this, this sort of, this, this pa general pattern of numbing of just like putting that stuff back in the background and you know you only pay attention to it when it becomes so kind of violent you know in your own head you know in your own heart in your own you know in your own being that you're like okay fuck I'll look at this or you know but it can take a lot it can really take a lot like you can get to a point like you know that's very very often how I experience depression is usually it's it's like onset from anxiety built up anxiety over a long period of time mm. um and i'm aware of it you know i'm aware of the anxiety and it's just like and and what it does to me physiologically and things like that my energy level is down um you know just kind of wanting to sleep or just you know like sort of check out you know like just watch lots of you know TV or something like that. There's, there's these things that, that can kind of emerge, although it can emerge in other ways too. And, 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 um, you know, I can, I can, it can help me to be productive in certain regards, but the anxiety and all of that stuff still remains. But to me, it's like, there's not, we're not actively in a practice of working with that stuff, unless you're, you're someone who maybe regularly goes to therapy or something like that you know that in many ways is 
you know, someone who's engaging willfully with that, the uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's too uncomfortable to not anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's so uncomfortable that something has to be done. Right. And I think that, you know, not everyone needs to go to therapy, but there are ways in which we can develop practices. Like even while we're sitting here having this conversation, I've been thinking to myself, you know, it might be good to like maybe every quarter, you know, like four times a year, I sit down and I ask myself some questions, you know, and I, and I do them and I make that an important thing to do. Not something that like, oh, if I get to it, no, 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 no. Like every, every season at the beginning of every season, or I thought, you know, maybe every month even, I don't know, could be different for, it, it would be different for everybody to what would be important. Some people it could probably do it every single freaking day. Right. But I think of, uh, one of our guests from, from some time ago, Dan Hines, um, what did we call that one? Like the art of the art of asking great questions or something like that was what we called that one. And, uh, and I, this one really stuck in, in my mind that he had brought up, which was what are the questions I'm living with today? And that was like a practice that every single day, like like one of the first things was like that he asked himself, what are the questions that I'm living with today, right? That are, that are alive inside of you. What are these, what are the questions? And, you know, you can extend that to be like, you know, what are the, what are the scary questions that I'm, I'm living with? Yeah. You know, no what kidding. are, and, and that's a willful engagement you know, that's that, that I'm just thinking of right now. And that will bring up things and that will raise more questions. Right. But I think that it's not so impossible to do it. All it requires is for us to have the real will and interest in actually engaging with them. Right. Um, because I think that in so many ways, that's that's kind of the gift sometimes of fear and anxiety and things like that is that they're often something that are trying to tell us to wake up in in a certain kind of way, you know, like in, in many ways to, to ask the important questions. Like we're going to keep asking these questions that just make you uncomfortable until you ask the real questions <laughs> to a certain kind of extent. You know, it's just like they're, they're really, they're kind of like in almost like intentionally shitty placeholders <laughs> and shitty placeholder questions until you start asking, you know, yeah. and engaging in your life in a deeper way. And that's so much what, you know, being an artist is about like is that engagement that that willful engagement um and going into the places that are uncomfortable yeah oh yeah you know uh mm. um that dan hines episode was that called living the questions might have been it it might have been living the questions i thought it was called the art of asking great questions but maybe maybe it wasn't look for dan hines yeah um well anyway so um (laughs) I remember my dad telling me something when I was young. He said, uh, you know, the best people ask the best questions. And 
I found that to be really true. You know, in, in, in life, like if you ask great questions, you end up opening great doors for yourself. And, and sometimes these questions, you just ask them of yourself, like we're talking about, but great questions come from genuine curiosity, genuinely wanting to understand something deeper, more fully, more holistically. And great questions come from like digging in. And so usually when you, when you ask a question, you end up going into something and then more questions arise. And then you go and you ask those questions and you keep digging. And um, I've had opportunities created for me simply because I asked great questions and I've had people, um, they've told me this like privately, they said, you know, when you showed up, I knew you, there's something about you. And I said, you got to pay attention to this guy. And, and he's like, cause you were asking great questions and your questions were literally opening up the world for everybody. And like, I was genuinely curious, genuinely interested, genuinely wanted to know. And I was, I was just like trying to figure it out. And when I, when I, when I took it as far as I could in my mind, and then I would ask another question. And I think like, um, you know, a lot of like, uh, people are afraid to ask, you know, speaking of fear, we're afraid to ask dumb questions, right? Silly questions, questions that are obvious. Um, you know, and I think that's why it's sometimes, I mean, yeah, we don't want to ask dumb questions. Sometimes there's questions that are, you know, there are dumb questions. Don't get me wrong. There are dumb questions. There are things that are like, you know, this is right in front of you. Why are you even asking? You know what I mean? If you're worried about asking dumb questions, like just genuinely stop for a moment, take account of what's there, what's around you and go, can I figure this out on my own? Is there anything obvious that can help me? You know, and if you don't, you know, if you don't know where to look you and you think maybe you're asking a dumb question just to get started, just say, look, like this might be an obvious thing and maybe I missed it or maybe I'm not seeing it, but like, where do I start? And then person can usually give you a bit of grace, you know, unless they're an ass, but most people will give you a, a bit of a grace and say, Oh, begin here. And then you have somewhere to begin because once you begin, you'll find that your questions become better. They become better after your first question. So like your first question is usually very like general and obvious and not very profound, not very deep, but it's those later questions. That's where you get the real gold in whatever you're looking for. And, um, you know, something that I've really investigated a lot is like a curiosity becomes an interest, becomes, uh, a focus becomes a passion. You know what I mean? Like you don't just go from nothing to passion. It starts with curiosity and it evolves into interest and, you know, like these things, they evolve, right? So like mm -hmm. when you're trying to get to the bottom of something, understand that the first question or the next question might be only what's leading you to a better question, a more important question, but you are not going to get to that question unless you answer the first, most general, most obvious ones, you know, and then it gets more specific and more clear. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think a lot of fear is the unknown, right? It's a lot of just general unknown, lack of clarity, lack of, uh, being specific, you know, and once you, once you kind of narrow it down, you're like, oh, this thing isn't so big. It's all being held up by this one little thing.
You know, this entire monster is being held up by this one little thing. And then when you get to the bottom of that and you go, well, okay, I'm scared of this one little thing. It used to be a big monster, but maybe you're still scared of that one little thing. That's fine, but it's not a big monster anymore. At least it's a lot better. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's, um, Silence. Silence. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just about like the, yeah, like with with what you were saying about your own questions um, in this in this particular, you know, experience or experiences, right? Like asking good questions, that's the thing. It's like there's no, people are always looking for some formula for shit. And it's just like, your best tool is always to be engaged and genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. Get really interested in what's going on around you and in, in other people in, you know, and what they have to say and what they, you could learn from them. You know, like it's this whole thing of, uh, of like everybody knows, knows more about something than you do. And, you know, what is that thing? right? Learn, pay attention from another person. Uh, And asking great questions has so much to do with just having real genuine interest. That's where great questions come from. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, and they, and they can lead to something more and more and more and deeper and deeper and deeper. But yeah, it's, it's, um, and then I was thinking about what you were saying about dumb questions. And for me, it's just like, you know, like, yes, there are dumb questions where it's just, you know, we've heard them all before, you know, where basically it was someone who wasn't listening. Very often yeah. that's usually what that's it was. Usually someone, where it, yeah. Yeah. Someone who it usually has something to do with not listening. Either you weren't listening before you asked the question, right? Or you're not interested in listening after you ask the question which is in both of them are very dumb fucking questions either way. I'd say like a lot of the time now I see more of the latter of that, of people who are just trying to ask a question that makes them sound really clever or they already have their answer in their head and they're not genuinely interested in hearing someone else's perspective. They're asking a question or they're asking loaded questions because the reason for asking it serves an ulterior motive other than genuine, genuine conversation, dialogue, examination, finding out together with another person. It's usually someone who's got their, a different agenda altogether. Those are dumb questions typically as well. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen them and we see the, we see them all the time. Yes. You know, the quality of when somebody asks a question that they're not genuinely interested in hearing the answer. It's like, oh no, you've already got an answer and you've, yeah. So anyhow. No, it's a good point. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the other thing too, is like you do yourself a major disservice by assuming, you know, everything, you know, it's just like, you know, look, if you want to stay where you are, if you want to be stuck, if you want to keep things like exactly as they are, whether it's working or not working, I mean, be closed-minded, you know, ask dumb questions and, and think, you know, everything that's how you're going to do it. You're going to lock yourself right in. 
if you want to be expansive, if you want to grow, if you want to evolve, if you want to dig deeper, if you want to actually um, open your perspective, see where you're maybe wrong, um, explore where you're actually onto something, but incomplete. If you want to actually do something, then listen and listen with the ear as though you do not know for sure the answer. Even if you you think you know, just be like, okay, let's just imagine maybe I don't know. And so just hear it out, just hear it out. And let's just hear what, what they're saying. Because the thing is, is like, um, I, I'll, I'll share one thing just about this topic, which I think is somewhat relevant. I remember when I first studied with an acting teacher and they had a certain way of teaching and they taught certain things. And then I remember going to another class and just thinking this teacher was all wrong. I've already learned <laughs> <laughs> how ignorant, you know, how, how dumb, but the thing is, is like, I had the teachers having this really good experience. And I thought I was learning everything the right way, the best way. And, you know, and, um, fortunately it didn't last too long, but I remember having that experience and thinking that I already knew. And what am I doing in a class trying to learn if I think I'm the one who knows everything, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. this is kind of, you know, this is what keeps fear and these uncomfortable things in place because you think, you know, what is scary and you think, you know, what's uncomfortable. And the fact is you don't because most of your fears are irrational bullshit. And most of your discomforts are just things that you never had guidance or uh, a perspective that gave you a capacity or a capability of approaching it the right way. And maybe you think doesn't something doesn't work just because the way you keep doing it doesn't work, but it works. It's just that you aren't doing it right. And the way you were taught to do it isn't effective or isn't actually that helpful. Um, you know, and be, be careful of the first time bias learning. The first time you hear something, the assumption, and this is, I think, a general human thing, is we assume the first time we learn something that it is the truth. And we assume it must be this way because that's what I learned. And it's like, no, you might've been learned, you might've learned the wrong thing. You might've learned something incorrect, whether that person knew it or not, they may have taught you incorrectly. And you, you know, this comes from your parents and from your elementary teachers and from your initial coaches and all sorts of things, brothers, sisters, friends, they, might've shared something with you or done something with you or showed you something and you just assume, and now you live as though that's how it is. And it really isn't. And mm -hmm. it might be a way, but it might not be the best way. And it might even be entirely wrong. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the best artist, but also the best person is the person that continually revisits things again, anew. And looks at them without the bias of having some corner market on understanding the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, I, I remember hearing this from, from my wife and at some point, um, who's a massage therapist, but like they, they used to have, uh, when she was in school, they used to have doctors and stuff come in and, and, uh, I think that was where she heard this from, but basically this one person who came in, uh, who's a doctor who train who, who trains doctors and everything like that. And so like everything, 
one of the first things they say to like students is like, after you become a doctor, everything that you learn here will be wrong in 10 years. And you know, like coming from like medicine, right? It's just like in 10 years, everything will be wrong. And by wrong doesn't necessarily mean that like everything is to was like shit, but that there are new things that have been learned that are so much better that the old way of doing it is no longer done anymore. You know, you, you hear that shit all the time where it's just like, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. You know, it's like, great, you know, I've got a new kid and there are things that we've learned about, like, with a baby that, like, our parents are just like, oh, shit, that's not, <laughs> that's not how we did it. That's not weird. It's like, yeah, things, things have changed. Right. And it wasn't necessarily that you're doing some sort of crazy, crazy harm to, but it's just that we know that there's a better way of doing some things now. And, and then there'll be a better way that comes down the road from there too. And, and better and better and better. So, um, this is all simply to say that this whole thing of, um, staying, staying open and staying like, because there is so much more to learn, you know, and even I have students who have redone courses with me and they're like, you know, it's the material hasn't changed substantially, <laughs> you know, maybe some little things here and there, but almost all of my students who have kind of gone back and, t and retaken some, some courses and classes with me have gone like, oh, I understand this on such a deeper level. I understand the importance of this, you know, even more now. And like, there's just, and that's basically going through some of the same material, you know, and, and it's like, so there's, yeah, you can never take for granted anything. Never say that, you know, all there is about anything, mm. you know, stay open, keep asking questions, you know, cause maybe you're right. Maybe you have some, maybe you're listening to somebody and, and in, in genuine interest of what they have to offer to you and you ask them a question, they give you their, their response. And then you go, because you've been listening and you've been genuinely curious and you go, well, this is how I understand this thing. So how do you like, and you know, and it's like, how do you, you know, reconcile that with, with that or, or what do you think about that proposal as opposed to your own? What is, what is incorrect about the way I'm looking at this in your mind? And what mm -hmm. is, what is better or more correct about the way that you're looking at this? Right. And maybe they see something new or maybe they just can, can explain in greater detail. You know, th this is just basic human dialogue and how we figure things out together. Um, it's incredible at how challenging that that can be to come across and to even to just do, you know, I know I, I struggle very oftentimes with, with that myself. So. Well, I think also when you want to be right more than you want the truth, you're in a real problem place, you know, and I think there's a lot of people that want to be right more than they want the truth. And, uh, I think that, you know, that is a, um, that extends to many problems in your life because why do you want to be right? If you, if, why don't you ask yourself that? <laughs> why do you want to be right so bad? Cause what, what are you trying to, why are you trying to make yourself appear? Cause that's really what that's about. And why do you need to be right? And, and 
you know, if you're trying to be right, cause you're genuinely, you believe that if they see it your way, you're going to help them or save them or figure something out like that. That's a different, that's a different thing. That's not about being right. That's about helping and saving them. But if you're trying to be right, that's image nonsense. Right. And, uh, I think we, we end up maintaining a lot of our limitations through the need of trying to look a certain way. And, you know, uh, look, you, you know, most of the time you might not think, okay, well, like, like I don't get uncomfortable. I just face my fear as I do my thing. And it's like, okay, well pushed enough in a certain direction, you'll probably find out there's something you're scared of. You know, there's always territory to explore. There's always something to uncover. Um, you know, maybe you're just really comfortable in, uh, your medium or this certain area of your life. Doesn't mean you're going to be super comfortable in some of these other areas in your life. It doesn't mean you're going to be effective in those areas. And it doesn't mean that your logic is sound there either. Um, you know, so this has been an interesting conversation, man. I mean, because like at the end of the day, we're talking about going to the uncomfortable and we're really talking about like, like like go in and look in, look in and ask some questions and like, and dig a little deeper and get a little more specific, you know, and then maybe, um, this place that's dark and scary will be a little less dark and a little less scary. And I think that's kind of the goal, right? It's like, you can move in there a little bit deeper. You can go in there a little bit further. There's a little less restriction in your life and, uh, you're a little bit better for it. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what, you know, what we're after, not just we're talking about and sharing with other people, but we're both trying to do that ourselves, right? We're just trying to bring a little more light or enlightenment into our life, uh, create a little bit more room to explore, to play, to be open, um, create a little less limitation, a little less, uh, you know, hang up stuff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's not like we have the answer, but I think that this was kind of an interesting talk on kind of, you know, opening that door, you know, a little bit and giving a peek inside and saying, Hey, you know, maybe we, maybe it's okay. Maybe we can go in there. Maybe, uh, we don't have to keep avoiding it anymore, you know? Yeah. Whatever that might be for you. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, like you were saying, maybe it's, it's not actually so, so dark and scary, but also maybe there's, um, there's something not just realizing that's just not as dark and scary but that there's maybe something really important and and profound and potentially life-changing in those uncomfortable places as well i think that's you can't we can't short uh we can't short that side of this conversation either so well i mean um, yeah i guess that's what it's all about really yeah you know um well Let's, uh, I'm going to talk about a beer. I know that, uh, you've had a bit of a change of plan on <laughs> your end yeah. of things, but, uh, I've, I've, I'm drinking a beer for this episode and, uh, I actually went and got a growler fill, which I haven't done in a long time. And this one, uh, comes from the, uh, 101 Brewery and Distillery in Gibson's BC. And this was one, I actually got a fill a big fill of another one. And then they were, they had to change the keg over and they were like, Oh, do you want to like, just have like a taste of something? And I saw this one and I was like, give me a taste of that. And then I always keep at like an emergency, like a uh, half, like 32 ounce 
growler in the car. <laughs> and nice. I went and grabbed it because I was like, this is really good. Uh, this is a pink guava mimosa sour. Oh, wow. And I'm not typically like a, a sour person, although I don't find that this is particularly sour at all. But it's definitely got a sort of uh, champagne-like quality to it where it's kind of like dry and, and bubbly. Um, really great. Mm, really great nice. stuff. Yeah. I like having so. a good sour. I, I'm not usually into them either. And when there's a lot of fruit in them, I'm also a little bit weary because I'm always like, ah, it's going to be like really sour. And yeah, but I've had a few good ones, you know, and um, I always like it when there's a nice one. Uh, well, look, I was going to have... I was going to have a beer um, and I got this beer from Lethbridge, but I didn't get it. It was something that was kind of left behind. Um, and I was like, I don't know, this could be super old. <laughs> it was, I had a sip of it and I was like, Oh my God, I can't even, I can't do this. This is horrible. So uh, for another day, I had a backup though. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a backup drink just you know, so give myself some flavor. This is Marilyn Monroe lemonade. It's called, and uh, Rocket Rocket Fizz is the company. <laughs> anyway, you know, whatever. It, cool. it it's tasty. It's nice. I don't know. Classic. Are, are they like a Are they like a local company or? I have no idea, man. No idea. I, All right. I know, I know nothing. But uh, it was it was uh, like okay, like if this beer doesn't work out, then I'm having a soda. That was yeah. kind of the, that was kind of the plan. You know what I mean? Um, totally. And it was, it, that beer has been sitting there kind of staring at me for a while. And I kind of knew deep down, it wasn't going to work out, <laughs> but you know what? I gave it a shot and tried, I showed up and it didn't work out. So maybe another day. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, I yeah. guess I'll go, I'll go first. I'll, I'll or, go first. I feel, it, like go I, I feel like okay. you've gone first the last couple of times and no, I end right, up, no, I've, 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 I've closed out the last few. So I'll, I'll give you the opportunity for this one. Um, yeah, this has been, uh, this has been an interesting conversation as they, as they always are. Um, and for me, I'm kind of taking away something with this where I, I am like, a, I'm planning on there's, there's certain sides of this conversation that have provoked me to like, bring some real integration like active integration because i i'm like yeah no there's there needs to be a practice you know like going into the uncomfortable um is the name of this episode you know so it's like okay well and i didn't even realize that when we decided on that as a name but what it's really become clear is that that that's something going into the uncomfortable is something that we need to choose to do. Um, and really what's more uncomfortable than going into ourselves to, to a large extent, you know, it always starts, it always starts with us, um, in our internal worlds. So I'm, I'm going to put in an actual like practice, um, you know, using questions, going to start asking questions. And I don't know what those questions might be, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to start maybe figuring a few out to, to get things moving and then see what comes out of it. Because, um, you know, I'm realizing 
more and more how important that that is for us to be engaged in that in that process because that's really how this is an incredibly powerful way of in which we can come to know ourselves um and that's one of the most important things we can do i mean according hmm. to descartes right um it was descartes right was it <laughs> I descartes know. i don't know evan i'm not sure the the know thyself someone's probably out there like oh fuck um <laughs> either because i'm wrong or because because i'm right uh but yeah yeah so it's um i'm i'm taking taking some of that to heart let's engage with uh with with going into the uncomfortable um on a more regular basis so hmm. that's it all right well i mean i i agree with that i think that's a nice practical way to take this conversation. I almost think it's like an obvious conclusion that we could all draw from this is like, maybe let's ask some questions. Let's look into something a little more uh, specifically, a little more deeply. And maybe we can kind of find like what's under the thing, like that's so general. And so, you know, cumbersome, right? Because I think that's part of the, that's part of the problem. It's like, when you don't know what's going on, not only can you not do anything about it because it's too general, but it's cumbersome because it like it carries with it. It kind of infects a lot of other things. You know, if we go back to that example of like when I was younger, I used to feel not good enough, like as a whole, like as a person. And that's pretty brutal. Like, like maybe one or two or a few things were holding up this whole thing that maybe I'm not good enough as a person. That's a pretty brutal um it's got, it's pretty brutal. It's got its tentacles into a lot of stuff now. Right. And it's like, no, let's just get down to the, to the thing. And, um, you know, I'll go back to, to one thing that I have reminded myself of many times is when you face the fear and you face the ultimate fear, the thing you're most scared of. So what, what am I going to do if this is true? What is it? What, why does that matter? Like, like, like just, like what, like, what is the worst thing that could happen? Like, let's like, let's so, so now what, if this is the truth and now what, and I usually find that some pretty profound and freeing answers come out of that. And the whole thing kind of just mantles itself. Uh, so I would say this at the end of the day, you know, I don't know why, but it reminds me of a, of a core lesson that I try to remind myself of in everything is be kind to yourself. I like, sometimes I'm just so hard on myself. And I, I, I notice a lot of people can be really hard on themselves and it's like, just be kind, you know, like you, you are like doing your best. Some of this stuff's scary. Some of this stuff brings up past trauma. Some of it is, you know, built upon hurt or past beliefs or situations or experiences you had and just be kind to yourself because deep down under all that baggage, under all that stuff, th there's a, there's a really good little spirit, you know, like this, this, this soul, this self, this thing that's animating all of this. And it, it's trying to figure out how to deal with this life we're all in, you know, whatever that is. I mean, you don't have to look at that from a religious point, but like something is, something is pure. 
within you, without all this story, without all the narrative, without all your history, without your trauma, without all this stuff. And so try to get back to that because you don't have to live your past and you don't have to live things that are bad that happened to you and like put them into your future. You don't have to do that. You know, one thing that I'm reminded of is that sometimes if a bad thing happens, you can let it go because you can know that it'll never happen again, because now that it happened, you'll be forever aware to, to know, to look out for it, you know? So you're a new person. The person that it happened to didn't know it could happen. Wasn't ready for it to happen. Was innocent to it. You can become innocent again, but just know that you also have the protector of experience with you as opposed to your, your past being some kind of like, baggage you carry or some armor you need now because you realize that the world can be a tough place at times and that's kind of what i have to say you know it's just like be kind to yourself as you go through this and ask the questions and look good on you for asking them you know be proud of yourself for that because not everybody's gonna do it and if you're doing it then way to go Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.